just a moment, if you would very quickly look with me to the book of John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Uh, I feel the Lord has uh, something wonderful to say to us there. John chapter 21. And I'm going to read beginning with verse number 14. He said, it says in verse 14, This is now the third time that Jesus shewed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Verse number 16, He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 17, He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. For just a few moments, I want to talk to you about what a visitation from God can do. Last Sunday, we talked about an encounter with God. I want to talk to you about a visitation today. Somewhat different. Uh, An encounter can be uh, different than a visitation. God bless you. You may be seated. The month of September has been a month of refocus for Greater Life Church. I hope and pray that you have been joining with me in that endeavor. I have been trying as your pastor to get a clearer vision uh, of what God wants for our church and where he wants to take us. As a matter of fact, I was standing here just a few moments ago and I thought, Lord, I need you to do a miracle. I need you to help us pay off our indebtedness so we can build the next phase. Amen. That's what I believe God's up to, but that may be a stretch for some of you right now, but I believe God's up to that. I think it's important that we sharpen our focus and we tune in to the channel that God is operating in right now. God doesn't always operate on the same wavelength that we want him to and we would like for him to. And so it's important that we take time and and we're sensitive to the Spirit of God and in prayer feel out the presence of God to know the direction. And I've talked to you in the past about how God moves, the different ways in which God moves. But for the sake of time, I just I want to remind you that now is the time for us to sharpen our focus and to adjust the lens of our life 
on those things that matter, those things that have eternal consequence. I've had to ask myself a few questions over the last few weeks, and one of them is, what have I been giving my attention to? What has absorbed my time the most? And what is motivating me to do what I'm doing? And what is at the center of my thoughts and my prayers? And what are my eyes fixed on? How important it is that we remember that our eyes do not look as the normal eye. As a child of God, we should be looking through the spiritual lens more often than we look through the physical realm because the physical realm is always going to be limited, but the spiritual realm is that dimension in which God wants to operate and He wants to bring us into that place of operation. I believe a time to change the emphasis and direction and the altering our course and all of that is so important. And I have sensed in the Spirit's prompting in my own heart that now is the time to do that. Not tomorrow, not next week, not in another season, not at a more opportune time, but now. Everybody say now. Now Now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the hour. Last week I spoke to you about an encounter with God and what that can do in breaking the tyranny of the past. Uh, over our life and opening our eyes to the possibility of our futures. And this morning I want to go in a, a parallel um, thought in, in taking you down the lane of thinking and considering with me what a visitation of God will do in your life. When you look at the scripture and you go through the word of God, you will find that God visited his people on many occasions and for many, many purposes. There is so much recorded in scripture that if you were just to put in a search engine, the word visit or visited or visitation, you would find multiple scriptures that would speak to you of those times when God saw the need to have a divine uh, intersection in the life of his people and that moment was important for a particular reason and I don't have time to go into all of them but I want to highlight just a few of them that I looked at this week and consider with you if you will what a visitation of God can do in your life and mine one of them is found in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse number 15. If you read the entire chapter of Jeremiah 10, you will find that God's people are guilty of manufacturing their own gods. They're taking gold and silver and different objects and they're trying to create their own form or image of God. And God's observing all of that. God's watching them do all of that. And you know, when I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, you and I, we, we don't think about idolatry as being an issue, but we are very guilty of creating our own version of God. We're very guilty of trying to craft our own version of how God is supposed to be rather than just taking him 
and embracing him for what his word declares that he is. And so Israel is in the business of manufacturing their own God. And so God watches this as long as he can and finally he speaks to them in verse number 15 and he said they are vanity and the work of errors. And in the time of their visitation, they shall perish. So the visitation of God at that moment in the life of God's people was to help men see the reality of their present predicament. That things were not as well as they wanted to act like they were. You know, it's amazing in life how that we create our own reality. We create our own little world of how we want things to be. Now, it could be completely contradictory to the truth of the matter, but we have this delusion or we have been blinded to our own error and our own works and we think that that we can do this. I can make my own version of God. I can create my own image of Him. And I can worship him the way I want to worship him. And the Lord looks at that and his response is, it is vanity and it is an error and it will perish in the day of my visitation because when I come, you're going to see the real. You're going to get to experience the real. It's important that we have those kind of visitations from God in our life. Because I know all of you have halos on today, but I've lived long enough to know that sometimes those halos get tilted and tarnished. And you have to hunt through the closet to find your wings because they're not present. But you go right on crafting your own little reality. And what needs to happen is for God to come in. And you need to have an encounter with Him to help you realize the error of the way. That you're never going to make a God of your own that's big enough to help you fix the problems that are in your life. You're going to have to take the God that is. And only He can really change the the issues that are in your heart. i got to hurry. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 12. Peter writing said, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So here is a visitation of God that changes the mood and the attitude of people concerning what's going on, and the reality of life. God, I have prayed for that kind of visitation often around our church and around this place at time. That God, I, I, we need a visitation that will change the attitude. You know, there's some things you can go through life with that's like a gorilla in the closet. You just can't hide him. You just can't hide that elephant in the front living room and uh, you, you can walk around him you can go out the back door and you can come in the back door but the reality is something isn't right in the house and usually when there's something wrong in the house it's not my wife or it's not my dog that's at fault 
It's my own attitude and my own mood. It's amazing how moody we can get. Some of you are that way right now. I can sense it while I'm preaching. You didn't get enough coffee this morning. You didn't get that greeting this morning that you wanted. Some people wake up wanting to fight. They must go to bed with cuckleburrs in their bed because they wake up cross-eyed and they need a mood adjustment. They need an attitude adjustment. I'm going to tell you what will help adjust your attitude better than anything is a visitation from God. It's for the Lord to step into your world and into your life and help you understand just how much you need Him and how much He can help you in your present situation. Hey, quit blaming other people for what's wrong in here. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord. Job chapter 10 verse 12 declares his visitation became a saving grace in his life. He said, Thou hast granted me life and favor and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. If he had not come, if the Lord had not encountered him, if he had not had this visitation, Something would have gone wrong. He would have made the wrong choice. He would have made the wrong decision. He would have come to the wrong conclusion about life. You realize that Job is in a, in a world of turmoil. His friends are staring at him. He's got boils on his body from his head to his feet. His wife has already told him to curse God and die. And he has lost his servants and he's lost his money and he's lost his uh, all of his influence and wealth and his friends. They're sitting there looking at him and they're trying to figure out what is wrong with this man's life for God to have judged him so severely. And they're trying to find his faults and they start naming all kinds so this is what Job is wrestling with. At, and not only that, he's having to deal with his own emotions. He's having to deal with his own mental thoughts and, and wonderings of why this has happened to him. He's a righteous man. He offers sacrifices. He serves the Lord to the best of his ability. And, and all of this has been taken away. And all of it is gone. And, and God's not answering his call. God's not picking up. God's not talking to him, God's gone silent. He said, I looked before me, I couldn't find him. I looked behind me, he wasn't there. I looked on my right, on my left. He said, everywhere I look, I go, God is not there. And yet in that situation, God came somehow. He came into his life with a visitation that preserved him, that saved him. I want to tell somebody here this morning, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Some of you are on the verge of making a life-changing decision that you think may just be a promotion, but it's going to have a trickle-down effect on all of your family and so many other repercussions 
And if you don't look far enough down the road, you may look back at this moment in time and have planned for a visitation of God. God, I don't know that it's wrong to make that choice, but I want to make sure that when I make it, there are no consequences that are going to come back later on to hurt me and harm me and do damage to my life. I know that it appears like everything is in order, but God, I need a visitation that will help get my life in balance and help preserve me from wrong conclusions about things. Perhaps the most moving of all the visitations. Luke records 1941, 44 I believe it is, and when he was come near, 41, and when he came near, he beheld the city, speaking of Jesus, and he wept over it. In the Greek, the word is very intense. It wasn't just a few tears. It was sobbing. There was heaving. It was such deep grief and sorrow because he looked over a city that he had visited day after day with miracles and signs and wonders. He had come with love and compassion and mercy and grace and yet they had stiff-armed him and they had pushed him away and they had said, God, we don't have time for this version of God. We're looking for God in another form. This is not how our God's going to come to this world. And they were so wrapped up in their own religiosity that they missed him when he did come. Sometimes you Pentecostals, we Pentecostals, I should say, can get so wrapped up in our concept of how God's supposed to operate that we miss him too. And he wept over them and he said, if thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, But now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave one stone upon another because thou knewest not the day of thy visitation. They missed the greatest opportunity in their life. And his visitation was to make a difference in their life. I feel that's why God has come today. To make a difference in somebody's life. Someone here in this place that may think you're here just because, well, you know, family and pressure and I got invited or whatever. I'm here because of circumstances. But the fact is, God ordered these things so that he could bring you to a point so that you could realize his presence. You could realize just how much he cares and how much he loves you and how much he is concerned about where you are and what you're doing and where you're going. And he wants to come in and talk with you and he wants to visit with you about your situation and help you become aware of what all could be yours if you just wake up. Man, if you just become aware, he's here to make a difference. He wants to change the outcome 
I said he wants to change the outcome. He wants to make sure that the story ends. He wants to rewrite the storyline of my life so that it concludes with victory and not with sorrow. And then we're going to look at our scripture text, John chapter 21, the last visitation that I want to talk to you about. And this is what I really, I feel the heaviest on my heart today. You're aware it's after the resurrection, uh, after all of the debacle uh, of Peter's uh, denial, and he's gone back to the boat. Uh, He's taken with him his friends, and they're out on the lake fishing Fished all night, no fish, deja vu. You know, it's amazing how many times we can repeat the same thing and wonder why we keep getting the same results. Amen. Amen. It's it's crazy, but this is something that I've told people. You know, it amazes me that people shoot themselves in their own foot and then wonder why their foot hurts. I mean, your your life and your lifestyle brings on a lot of these problems and the decisions that you make and the choices. And Peter, Simon Peter is in a mess. I mean, he, he had such promise. And, and it's interesting to me that this last picture that you get of him and the Lord together is very similar to the first picture that you have of him and the Lord together. When he first encountered him and when Jesus first saw him, he speaks of him and he said, you're, you're, you're uh, uh, Simon, but your name is going to be called Cephas. You're, you're a pebble, but you're your name is Cephas or Caiaphas. It's, it's going to be a stone, a boulder, a rock. And so God was speaking of his future and his possibility. But if you read the story of Simon Peter, you find that when he encountered the Lord on that day, it was hard for Simon Peter to fully understand the prophecy that God was making concerning his life. And so you watch his life story as he goes through all of these ups and downs and twists and turns and highs and lows. And one moment he's declaring, Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the Christ, the living Son of God. And and then the very next verse down, or a few verses down, you hear the Lord turn to him and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. That's the man that Jesus first encountered and he said, Thou art this, but you shall be that. And in that visitation, Jesus identified him with a new name that would play into his future. And yet when you look at his life, his ability to live up to that name was very challenged. His ability to try to live up his failures are all too familiar and his boldness and brashness are legendary. And in the end, in the end, this is what happened. He rebuked the Lord. 
He falls asleep in the garden. He cuts off Malchus's ear. And then he denies that he even knows the Lord. I mean, how often it is in life that our potential is sabotaged by our own personality quirks. I become my own worst enemy. I've said it. This man over here said it. Most of us don't need a devil to be bad. Amen. Some of you are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. May I need to explain further? I better hurry up. My time is running out. There is a lower self that is always struggling with that higher self for preeminence in my life. And one of them is going to win in the end. Which one? Which one? Which one? And if you read Peter's story, it's this pull. One one moment he is this bold strong, vibrant, confident preacher man. And the next moment he's a devil. He's, he's, he, he's a denier. It's that conflict that goes on between that higher calling and this flesh that I live in, that, this carnality that I wrestle with every day. You know what's important in all of this? This, this is, I just feel like I need to stop here. This is, this came to me this morning. There, there's a principle of overcoming that's found in this end part of the, the, the storyline in the Gospels about Simon Peter. The principle of overcoming failure is found In this, in order to get back up, you have to show back up. Point. After the resurrection and all of the denial and the cursing that went on, it's amazing what comes out of some people's mouths sometimes. Saints, their vocabulary has not been brought to the cross in a long time. Maybe we need to pray over that. That's what communion is going to help us with in a little while. So, after all of this embarrassing debacle and failure... The Lord is alive and he visits with these women and he said, I want you to go tell my disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. Another writer, I believe it was Luke, says that when they were told to go to Galilee that all 11 of them went to Galilee. 
Now, you understand one of them's missing. Judas is gone. So there's only 11 of those original disciples left, but all 11 of them. So that means that even this failure, this man that made these colossal mistakes had enough understanding that if I'm going to overcome my failure, if I'm going to rise back up and walk again, I'm going to have to figure out how to show back up. I'm going to have to figure out how to get back into the place where His presence is. And so here we are. Jesus has fixed a meal for them. They recognize who He is. They come to the shore. They eat. It's amazing that before God ever really wants to deal sternly with somebody, He is so kind to feed them first. He doesn't make you do it on an empty stomach. That's what worship in church is all about. God's feeding you. He's, he's, he's blessing you so that when I get up here and I knock the starch out of you, I don't knock it out too far. I'm just kidding. I'm just... Yeah. But he takes time to make it more conducive. And finally, after the, their stomachs have been filled and, and, and they're, they're there by the seashore, he turns his attention to Simon Peter. Simon, lovest thou me more than these? Lord, you know I love you. And I know you've heard this. The word that Jesus used for love is agape. It's the highest form of love. The word that Peter used in response was phileo. It was a lower form of relational love. And so Jesus, I don't know if there was a pause or a break. I don't know if he just looked at him. Sometimes it would do God, it would do us good for God just to look at us for a while. You know, my mom had a way of doing that. She could just look at you and she could bring you back in line. Yeah. I was raised around the church and you know, I didn't always act right. And you sitting over there with your buddies cutting up and cracking jokes and laughing while it... And you could feel something. You didn't know what it was, but you could feel something. It's like these arrows that were just pong, 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 pong. And you happen to turn your head just to catch out of the corner of your eye that little woman over there. And she had that eye on you. She, she could do more with her eyes on me in that moment than the preacher had done the whole service. So here's, sometimes we do need those kind of encounters with God. You know, we make church all gushy-gushy, kumbaya, come on, let's, yeah, let's, let's rumble and, and we're hiding stuff and we're dodging stuff and we're not repenting of things and we're not asking forgiveness of things. 
and we're not making things right. We just want to keep dancing and shouting and carrying on. Sometimes we just need God to come in and just give us a good stare. Why? Because my mom didn't want me growing up being a heathen. And God doesn't want you and I growing up to be one either. Sometimes we need him just to get his eyes locked on us and put us on our knees. God, cleanse me, wash me, whatever's wrong with me. I, I, I know I've had a bad attitude. I know I've not forgiven these people. I know... I know I've said things I shouldn't say. I know that, God. I'm asking you to help me today. We need him to do that. So, I don't know how I got off on that. Maybe it was that pause. That's what happens when a pause happens. And so the second time he said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? A little irritating, you know, a little... A little uncomfortable here. God, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And again, agape. And this is what I want you to understand. Agape is the highest form of love, but it's also the highest form of life and relationship. And Peter was down here on this lower level wanting to serve God with this phileo relationship. And God said, no, Peter. You've been called to higher things than that. It's time for you to elevate your level of living. It's time for you to come up where you belong. I've come to preach to some people here at Greater Life Church that's been content with living for God on this lower level. Just enough to keep judgment away. Just enough to keep the condemnation at bay. But not really living into the potential and the promise that God has put over your life. And you come and go through the motion. And you play like you've had church. But it's been so long since you've had a real visitation of God in your life. And God is speaking to somebody in this building today. And said, hey... It's time for you to come up here to this higher place. We we are so guilty. And what's so so deceptive about this and what's so critical about it is that I'm serving him. That I am not serving him to my potential. Some people are happy with just knowing a little bit about him. But God said when I gave birth to you in the spirit 
I didn't create you for little things. I created you for great things. And so I feel like what God is trying to do to Greater Life Church. We've, this has been our theme all year, deeper. This is what we have felt like God has been trying to take all of us to is a deeper place. But I feel this morning that that deeper can be translated into higher. That God is trying to help elevate our lives to a new level. He's trying to get us up where we belong. Some of us have been living way too close to the world and too satisfied with that way of living when God is saying, no, that's what I des- that's not what I destined you for. That's not what I created you for. That's not what I gave my spirit to you for. And he's calling us to Ireland. And this is the amazing part about God. Two times he gets the same response. Come on up here, Peter. Peter said, oh God, I'm happy down here. He said, come on up here, Peter. Oh God, I'm happy down here. And this is what's so amazing about God, but don't ever misunderstand it. The third time, God's been up here. This time he comes down here. He said, okay, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And he uses the same word Peter's been using. Because when you can't get to his level, he's willing to come down to your level so that he can help lift you up to his. And here's what God is saying to some of us here. We're struggling with our own carnality. We're struggling with our own failures and our own weakness. We're struggling with our own critical issues. And we're struggling with decisions that we made a long time ago that we're having to live with right now. We didn't realize it was going to turn out this way, but I'm having to live with it now. And here's what happens in that scenario. We get so used to living for God on this level when God has created us for this level. And when we look up there, we think, Oh, I can never make that leap. I can never become that. I can never do that. And so God said, hey, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you. I'm going to come down here on your level. I'm going to come down where you live so that I can help you because I want to get you up to where I am. He doesn't come to your level to make you satisfied with your level. He comes to your level to help you understand that with him he can get you to his level stand with me if you will hallelujah hallelujah I feel that visitation I said I feel that visitation right now I want you to close out everybody around you I want you to forget about everybody but you and God because there's There's an encounter, there's a visitation of God's Spirit going on right now. And and maybe, maybe God needs to visit me and open my eyes to the faulty way that I'm trying to create my own image of God. But more likely, more likely, God's trying to get us up to a higher level. 
a higher place. God, just like that rain, Lord, is falling in this world right now, in our world, this rain, let it fall in this building, Lord. Let the rain of your Spirit begin to come down. Lord, talk to my heart. Cleanse me, Lord. Wash me, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my failure. You created me for more than drugs or alcohol or illicit or immoral living. You created me for greater things than to destroy myself with dumb decisions and destroy myself with my own selfishness. You love me too much to leave me in my condition and so you come down to my level. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. Come on, mother. Come on, father. God's trying to get us to come up a little bit. Some of you convince yourself you can serve God with those things going on in your life. And God's so kind to you that He would come today and say, Okay, I see you can't get up to where I'm trying to get you to, but I'm going to try to get down where you are today so I can bring you up to where I am. Come on, let's pray right now. Everybody in the building, let's pray. God, today, 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 the visitation of your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.